Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. This week we have Dale Falwell with us, the North Carolina State Treasurer, who is uh, always an interesting guest because he is uh, doing things to try to save the taxpayers of North Carolina a lot of money. And and he is uh, always willing to give us the news behind the news on issues like the state health plan. And that's one of the things we want to talk about. Um, he is, uh, North Carolina's 28th treasurer and, uh, went into office in 2016 and has not stopped running since. I, I don't mean running for reelection. I mean running. Sure. Uh, so welcome back to the program. Uh, by the way, I've, I've got to mention that you also serve four terms in the North Carolina house. And then, of course, some other legislative uh, or administrative positions in state government. So you're well-versed in state government. Well, I am, and I uh, always enjoy coming on your show. And uh, no matter where I go in the state where this show is broadcast, uh, people always come up to me and said, uh, I heard you on Don Curtis' show. So I appreciate the opportunity. As I've said to you in the past, there are many citizens of North Carolina who live closer to five other state capitals than they do their own. And so this message getting out to the far corners of North Carolina is very valuable. Well, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, there's not a lot of uh, opportunity for long, uh, long-form discussion of issues because uh, people are in a hurry these days and they want their stuff in bits and pieces. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, that always comes with uh, editing and sometimes people don't get the, all the, the news they need to have. Well, it's, uh, because the state health plan is uh, high on your list of activity and, of course, is a major factor uh, in state government right now, uh, let's talk about where that stands and, and what you're doing to uh, try to uh, correct those uh, uh, deficiencies in that plan. Well, thank you. I, I almost thought you were getting ready to say long-winded. Well, <laughs> but, uh, you, that too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, going back to that comment you just made is that you're exactly right. Um, you and I both remember the 60s. And, you know, uh, when the Beatles went off tour is because there was a conversation that John Lennon was having with Paul McCartney. And he basically asked him, can you hear me sing while we're on stage? And and McCartney said no. And McCartney asked Lennon, said, can you hear me sing? And Lennon said no. And he said, well, if, if we can't hear each other sing and the audience can't hear us sing because – People are screaming past each other. Why are we doing this? And they went off tour, and they went back to London and cut these famous albums. So I hope you're uh, thinking, where's he going with all this? (laughs) Where I'm going with all this is that we are in a society that has some very complex challenges facing us, which is, number one, health care, accessibility and affordability of health care. But we're also in a situation where people just want to be affirmed about how they already feel about a subject, and nobody wants to be informed. And that's the value of newsmakers is to is to inform people about something. So going back to this, your question about the state health plan, it's called the Clear Pricing Project. And <clears throat> your listeners may be sort of asking themselves, why should, I, why should I care? And the reason they should care is either as a member of this plan or as a taxpayer, uh, we're going to spend more money in the state health plan this year than gets appropriated to the universities to run all the campuses or <clears throat> collectively gets reimbursed to um, all the justice and public safety of North Carolina from the deputy sheriff at the local level all the way to the chief justice of the Supreme Court. Your listeners are very familiar with law enforcement and public justice. They're very familiar with the universities. But there's this thing we're talking about 
today that is going to spend more money than either one of those things. So the clear pricing project is very simple. Your listeners have heard about the risky scheme of the state treasurer. So let me tell you what the risky scheme is. We're going to increase transparency, give the control back to the consumer so that they can consume health care, just like they do Pepsi-Cola's chair wine or gasoline. The result of those two things is going to be lower cost. So the Clear Pricing Project basically takes the state health plan, which spends over $3 billion a year, <laughs> and it it increases transparency, gives the power back to the consumer so the consumer can actually figure out what they're paying for health care. None of your listeners, whether it's Ingalls, IGA, Foodline, Harris Teeter, <clears throat> uh, or any of our other great uh, providers of, of supermarkets across North Carolina, not one of your listeners, no matter how they feel about any other subject, Don, would ever go to a grocery store where none of the prices were in the aisles. Where there was just food there, but there was no price of it. And then when they get to the checkout, there's no real receipt that they received. Somebody just kind of took their money. And then four months later, after they already consumed all these groceries, they got a bill in the mail that they didn't understood, didn't understand what they bought. None of your listeners would do that. But that's what they're forced to do with health care. And that's what we're trying to do with the state health plan is to bring transparency so the state employees, retirees, and the taxpayers who fund this plan like them can get the prices that they've been deserving for a long period of time. Apparently, you're finding there is a great difference between what Hospital A and what Hospital B charges for the same procedure. And what you're saying is that's okay if you want to do that, but the, we ought to know what those prices are. Is that is that exactly right? Yeah. We're sitting here on Highwoods Boulevard, and for your listeners, that's just a, a few block, a few a mile or two away from Wake Forest Road here in Raleigh. We actually have medical providers on eat both across the street from each other on Wake Forest Road doing the exact same procedure that are getting drastically different reimbursement rates that are sitting on the same road across the street from each other. There's no way for your listeners or anybody else to consume health care. It's consuming them. And, and it would always be important, even if this only represented 1% of people's income, but the, our society is spending about 20% of the GDP on this issue. And that's why we're doing the Clear Pricing Project. So now where do the insurance companies stand, uh, the companies who are paying these bills, where do they stand on this clear pricing policy? Great question, and uh, something that I always try to remind people when I talk to them, but this this message goes out directly to our state employees and retirees, many of whom did not know that Blue Cross Blue Shield is not the insurer for the state health plan and have never been. Now, there's, there's a good reason why our state employees and retirees would think that. They have an insurance card in their pocket, and it says Blue Cross Blue Shield. When they go and get an explanation of benefit in the mail, it says Blue Cross Blue Shield. Why would anyone not think that Blue Cross Blue Shield is the insurer? And uh, we'd be glad to explore this a little bit later, if you like, uh, and explain why this should matter to them. Well, uh, why don't you do that now? Okay. Well, uh, so Blue Cross Blue Shield is a third-party administrator for the state health plan. All they do is they handle the administration of all these claims. We had over 17 million claims last year, and Blue Cross Blue Shield is not the insurance company. They're just the administrative folks who actually uh, run the state health plan. But So this is what we call a self-funded plan, and that's why it's so important that 
we live within our budget. Again, uh, let's let's reiterate that because Blue Cross Blue Shield administers the plan, uh, people think they are covered by Blue Cross Blue Shield when, in fact, the the, the actual payment comes from the state of North Carolina. Absolutely. Yeah. When Blue Cross presents a bill or a provider presents yeah. a bill to Blue Cross, it, it we, we pay it. Now, that's with the state employees. That's not necessarily with people who actually have Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance. Right. As private, uh, uh, sure. either through private companies or, or so forth. But some of the large uh, employers in North Carolina, B&T, yeah. they also have a third-party administrative contract with Blue Cross, just like we do. Yeah. And they're self-insured. That's correct. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, how do they feel about this? Well, you know, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield is our partner, and uh, you know they've been doing a, a great job of, of standing up. And I use that word exactly how how it sounds standing up something called this north carolina state health plan network for the first time we we are going to have a north carolina state health plan network so that we can take advantage of our buying power to the benefit of our teachers troopers and and other types of state employees Uh, secondly to give we've already given the context of how many how much money we spend on this plan every year briefly i want to tell your listeners how many people are on the plan there are as many people on this plan today in the state health plan than work for these three companies combined in the United States, Amazon, J.P. Morgan, and Berkshire Hathaway. The total employment base of those three companies in the United States is about the size of the state health plan. That's how much buying power we have. So that puts you kind of in the driver's seat. Well, it does, um, but you know, Sometimes when you're in the driver's seat, you're in not total control of the of the situation. The clear pricing project, uh, the contract became available about six weeks ago. Uh, this is the last week of the contracting period. I'm pleased to report to your listeners that uh, we have tens and tens of thousands of providers have already signed on to the clear pricing project. Uh, many of these are are are, are uh, primary care physicians, mental health specialists. In almost every instance, the primary care physicians and the mental health specialists across North Carolina are going to get a pay increase. The reason that is is that we prioritize that. We prioritized it because the number one goal of a primary care physician or mental health specialist is to help people get well and keep their butts out of a hospital. That's their number one goal, and there's nobody better qualified to do that. That's why it's so uh, important that we've had tens of thousands of folks already sign on to the clear pricing project. But as you know, there is opposition to it. So what's uh, what's the timetable on this? When will this be decided, and how uh, uh, how long is it going to take to come to a verdict? Well, <clears throat> the contracting period ends next Monday uh, because of the, the backlog. and the, the Normally when your listeners hear the word backlog, it has a negative connotation. Sometimes a backlog is, is simply where somebody submitted some paperwork and it's not quite cured. It's not necessarily a bad word. It just means that when we're dealing with, as, as the state treasurer, the keeper of the public purse, <clears throat> when it comes to making payments of taxpayer money, we want to make sure that we're making payments to the medical providers that's actually provide the service. Uh, it'll probably take a week or two for us to uh, figure out exactly what our numbers are, um, and then the plan goes into effect, which was, which was your direct question, on January 1st of 2020. And we hope to... Our plan is to save $250 million uh, by reducing costs, and uh, $50 million of that savings is going to be money that belongs to the state employee themselves through co-pays and deductibles. 
Well, we'll be watching and keeping up with that. Uh, uh, Dale Falwell is our guest. He's the 30, uh, 28th treasurer of the state of North Carolina. Of course, as we say, he's been working on the state health plan. Uh, uh, and we didn't talk about the unfunded uh, problem with the state health plan, but we'll talk about that in future segments. Uh, and we'll be back with more questions and more answers that will forthcome from uh, Dale Falwell when we return here on Carolina Newsmakers. You've got your shades on, do you? So cool, so hip, so sheltered by frames of UV protection to show the world you are a force. But did you also know by wearing sunglasses you're doing your eyes a favor? That's right. Sunglasses help avoid overexposure to the sun, which can produce red eyes, a feeling of grittiness, even excessive tearing. But you, oh master of the incognito, are taking care of your eyes without even knowing it. For more easy ways to keep keeping your eyes healthy, see your optometrist or visit AOA.org. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Dale Falwell, the North Carolina State Treasurer, is our guest. And, uh, uh, you know, just to put this into perspective, uh, the Treasurer's Office oversees more than $90 billion in pension investments which ensures the retirements of 950,000 teachers, firefighters, and public employees. That is a huge, huge amount of money that you are looking after. And because of that, uh, management fees and interest rates and state bond ratings and all that sort of thing are important uh, because it, uh, it, they, they all affect uh, our tax basis. It affects how much taxes we pay and, it, uh, and uh, also affects – what we can and cannot do in the state of North Carolina. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, management fees. I know you've been working on those because we we have to pay management fees to people who invest that $90 million. Billion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been working on lowering those management fees. How's that working out? Uh, it's, it's working out really well. Uh, many of your listeners will, will remember Harlan Bowles. Uh, Harlan was the uh, – to three treasurers ago, and he was considered by many to be the best state treasurer of the 20th century, not just in North Carolina, but actually in the United States. And when Harlan Bowles left office in 2001, uh, the pension plan was 110% funded, which means it had every dollar it needed plus 10 cents on top of that. But the management fees that uh, that uh, uh, Harlan was paying was, was about $50 million. Uh, when I was sworn in in 2017, the investment fees had gone from 50 to nearly $700 million per year. And this is money that belongs to the participants of these plans. So uh, our number one goal uh, that I put on my job application, uh, you, you mentioned in the earlier segment about running for office. I feel like it's, a, it's about applying for a job. You know, running for office implies that you tell people something and then once you get out of sight and out of mind, you don't follow up on anything. Applying for a job means that you do every day what you told the, the citizens that you were going to do, and that's how we uh, approach it. But getting back to the management fees, we've been successful. We're on a four-year run rate right now to cut nearly $350 million of management fees out of the pension plan. That's pretty much already in the oven, uh, thanks to the hard work of the investment management team. Uh, as you uh, know, but your listeners may not know, our office is right around the corner from where we're sitting right now. And that $90 billion is actually $102 billion today. That's uh, the first time, uh, $101 billion. It's the first time in state history that it's gone over $100 billion. Uh, but more importantly, 50% of that money now is being managed by internally without the need of uh, outside managers in the form of index funds and 
and fixed income investments. So very excited about the progress we've made there. But the, the pension plan, even though it's one of the best funded in the United States, has headwinds and uh, be glad to talk to you about that uh, as we go forward. So uh, let's talk about uh, the state bond rating because North Carolina has always benefited from having a great state bond rating. When we borrow money, we pay back less in interest than, than uh, most states, maybe the least. I'm not sure about that, but uh, I do know we have a very proud bond ref rating, mm-hmm. and that has saved us a lot of money, which can then be plowed into the projects. Sure. Exactly right. And for your listeners, a bond rating is something that's like a, a credit score. Credit score for an individual is like a bond rating for the state. Uh, we're blessed to have the triple, triple, triple A bond rating of for North Carolina. What that triple, triple means is that all the rating agencies give us their, their highest rating. And as you've correctly pointed out, uh, no matter what people disagree on politically, everybody agrees that if you're borrowing money for public education, public safety, public roads, the ports, the parks, and all the other core functions of state government, that any time that you can borrow money and pay a lower rate of interest for it, that means you get more of all that stuff that you're trying to buy. Uh, in the last few weeks, we've issued not 100, not 200, but nearly $900 million worth of transportation bonds um, in the form of Garvey bonds and, and uh, other types of bonds. And those interest rates came in around 2.3%. Uh, so that was very exciting to see that. But uh, having a AAA bond rating does relate back to these other things that we've talked about over the over the, the months and years that we've been together, which is the unfunded pension and health care liability. Uh, now, more than any time in our lives, Don, these rating agencies are paying special and close attention to these unfunded pension and health care liabilities uh, as they go forward to determine whether a state is able to keep its AAA bond rating or not. Vermont, since the last time I was on your show, lost one of its AAA bond ratings. And one of the reasons that was given was the unfunded liability associated with the state of Vermont. And we have our own unfunded liabilities here. Now, you mentioned Garvey bonds. Uh, That's a term I'm not familiar with. What are are Garvey bonds? Uh, Garvey's is uh, government anticipation uh, bonds. And what it basically does, it's a a, uh, federal program that was set up probably decades ago, that allow states to take advantage of the fuel tax that we know that's going to be paid at the pump by our, your listeners, but then part of that money on that fuel tax goes to Washington, then it comes back down to us. <clears throat> so it's a, basically a way of borrowing money to go ahead and do transportation projects in anticipation of that transfer of money taking place over the next several years. Okay, so that explains that. Now I know what Garvey bonds are. I Don't ask me what the, what the second E stands for, though. Uh, <laughs> well, you have to have it to make it Garvey. Uh, it would be Garv if it didn't have the second E, and that, that's nice. Um, so uh, so uh, uh, the interest rates uh, that we're receiving and the interest rates we are paying uh, – that's a, an issue that you watch all the time because that amounts to millions and millions of dollars. Well, but I also have to watch in the pension plan because as interest rates, and you remember the, the Kodachrome album of uh, Paul Simon put out in the 60s, and on the front of that album there was a picture of two chairs and the, the caption, I don't know what you were doing in the 60s, I'm not sure I want to know, but uh, the, the, the caption was one man's ceiling is another man's floor. And it actually had a chair 
sitting like you would expect a chair to sit. Then it had another chair glued up to the ceiling that you could see through, and one man's ceiling is another man's floor. So what does that mean to your listeners? What that means is that as we enjoy lower interest rates when we borrow money, we get kicked in the pants on the pension plan because we have $30 billion sitting in the pension plan that's interest-bearing. So anytime interest rates go down, it helps us a little bit on the state debt, but it really hurts us as far as the earnings of the pension plan. That's an example of one man's ceilings, another man's floor. Well, it's all a balancing act, and uh, you have to stay on top of it. Absolutely, and you know the way to stay on top of it is the way that a lot of your listeners have stayed on top of their affairs and their uh, small businesses and their large businesses over the years, and that is to to focus on the pennies and the paper clips. If you focus on the pennies and the paper clips, everything else will take care of itself. Well, that's something that you've been famous for, uh, not only uh, as uh, treasurer, but also uh, in your uh, time as a member of the General Assembly and uh, also in your administrative post with the Employment Security Commission. You get down into the uh, to the grass uh, on all the issues, and, and uh, my dad used to say the same thing you're saying. He said, you take care of your pennies and nickels, your dimes will take care of themselves, and uh, that's true. Yeah, and, and as the keeper of the public purse, that's exactly uh, that's exactly uh, what people expect us to do. And you know, it's whether it's Wall Street fees or high health care cost or high drug cost. You know, anytime as keeper of the public purse or the wallet, so to speak, anytime anybody has the, their hand on that uh, unnecessarily, uh, that's not good. And every every penny that's unnecessarily spent on Wall Street fees on high health care cost or high drug cost is a penny that can never, ever be spent for public education, public safety, public roads, and all the other important core functions of our state government. I don't have uh, time to get into uh, some other issues in this segment, so, but we've got about two minutes left. So let's in this segment, let's talk about unclaimed cash for just a moment because that's a very interesting thing. Well, if we talk about that, people won't come back for the last segment because uh, they're going to be checking their their uh, computer but uh nc cash and uh it doesn't matter what time of the day it is when you're a former stutterer like i am when you say the word is sheets you just have to slow it down and say it clearly yes it's it's the nccash.com we have 700 million dollars worth of unclaimed property sitting there we have some baby that teeth. belongs to people it belongs to people we actually have more records of things than than we have people in north carolina and uh, we have some baby teeth, we have some silver teeth, some gold teeth, and maybe for me and you one day, we have some false teeth. And the reason is, is that every abandoned lockbox in North Carolina ends up at a bank, ends up at the unclaimed property division. But mainly what we have is cash and securities. And uh, last year we gave over nearly $600,000 to one individual who did not realize that she was a beneficiary of a life insurance policy that somebody designated her as. We just gave money to the Eastern Food Banks. We have a million dollars sitting there that belongs to churches, uh, hospices, habitats, nonprofits across the state. So uh, your listeners, uh, when they get through listening to our fantastic dialogue here, can go to nccash.com. And if they don't see my radio face, and I say that in a little bit of jest, uh, if they don't see my face as the state treasurer at the top left of the banner, they're on the wrong website and they can put in their name, and if they have a common name like Curtis, they need to put something else in there like Don or the city of Raleigh. But if they have an unusual name like Falwell, there's only about 15 of us in the state, then they can just put in Falwell, and it'll 
bring up all the fall wells that have unclaimed cash. And uh, so that money is just waiting. You're willing to write that check anytime somebody can prove it's theirs. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the overall economy. Uh, you know, the uh, economists will always tell you we have an economic cycle, and that means there are going to be good times and bad times in the economy. Uh, we had a extreme recession about, uh, what, uh, 10 years ago now. Uh, but since that time, we have been uh, – in what is called a bull market, uh, good times. Mm -hmm. Uh, People keep saying, well, we may have a slight recession next year, maybe the year after. What do you see? Where do you see the economy going as a whole? Well, uh, what I see is what everybody sees if if they're looking around, and that is that interest rates, especially as you adjust them for inflation, are at all-time lows of our lifetime, right? Yes. Uh, they see uh, employment at an all-time high of our lifetime, uh, and they see the stock market at an all-time high. And uh, and oil uh, price of oil is is down. You know, I paid two eighteen for gas this week, uh, and so that's what people are experiencing. Obviously, any time that something is run as long as this uh, bull market has, people are 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 concentrating on making sure they have a margin of safety in anything they're invested in. And uh, as a state treasurer, I can't give investment advice to the listeners, but just people just need to know where their money is and why it's there. It's just basic, really basic questions. And but, but uh, generally speaking, no one is really calling for an immediate uh, change in the economy like in the next six months or nine months. And nobody's really calling for that. But um, as you and I know, uh, as many of these as we've experienced it, it, nobody calls you. <laughs> it just happens, and it happens. Sometimes it's uh, fast, like it happened in '08, and sometimes fast, like it happened in '87, and <clears throat> sometimes it's torturous because uh, it happened over a long period of time. The, the challenge with this pension plan, going back to the headwinds facing it, is that as good as this market has been over the last ten years, the plan has not—I repeat—has not earned its assumed rate of return. That's the money. That's the amount of the interest. The amount it has to earn to keep up with paying the benefit, it has not earned that on average for the last 21 years. And my prediction is it's not going to earn it for the next 21 years. And so, when you have a situation like that, you need to make sure you understand why your money's where it is, and make sure that none of it's unnecessarily being spent. Especially when you have over 900,000 people on this pension plan. And by the way, Don, I think I've said this on your show before, that's one out of 10 adult North Carolinians. Uh, Next week, we're going to send out pension checks that amount to $525 million. That's for 30 days on the pension plan. By the way, uh, when that uh, assumed rate was established, uh, uh, you could go to to savings and loans and which don't exist anymore, but you could get 5 or 6% interest. And so it was natural to assume that that interest rate was going to be higher, uh, and uh, that's not there anymore. So that's part of the problem that you have to overcome. But it should have been adjusted sure. uh, to to reality along the way. Yeah, and uh, I never had the pleasure of meeting uh, Mr. Bowles and not sure uh, 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 of – but I can tell you, uh, it doesn't matter how how unathletic you are, uh, when you can earn ten percent in treasury bonds and your hurdle was six, four, six, or seven, it's pretty easy to be the state treasurer. But uh, 
obviously he faced a lot of challenges too, but lower interest rates was not one of them. Well, Dale, thank you so much for sharing uh, your thoughts with us and bringing us up to date on the economy in North Carolina and particularly the workings of your office as you uh, wrestle with uh, all the, uh, the, the task of managing the $101 billion of state funds investments and also uh, taking care of the health care uh, for insurance for over, what, 725 or so thousand citizens. Mm-hmm. We look forward to you being back with us again. And, uh, uh, again, a reminder that if you uh, would like to hear a repeat of this broadcast, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast. Or if you're listening to one of the stations that carries only the half-hour version, you can hear the other half-hour It's segmented uh, in a separate segment. So uh, our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he'll have another interesting guest for us again next week on the same group of stations all across North Carolina. So the next week, same time, same station. Have a nice week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.